Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me this week is Robin Lichetti. Howdy. And Louis Monzon. Hey guys. How are you guys doing on this blisteringly cold week in Johannesburg? It's horribly cold. Hanging hanging in there, I think. Yeah, yeah everyone was like, oh, there's a cold front coming. And then on Saturday, I was running around in a t-shirt <laughs> in the sun or lacquer. And then on Sunday, the cold front arrived. And the wind as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's get straight into it. Robin, what have you got for us this week? Yes. So cable.co.uk, uh, they like to do reports as regards uh, broadband and connectivity across the globe. And this week they released one of their latest reports, specifically looking at download speeds across various regions in the world. And as far as South Africa is concerned, it doesn't make for great reading. Womp womp. Yeah. So um, the Worldwide Broadband Speed League, as they call it. Uh, Damn. It looked at we're the in data. We're league now. <laughs> yeah, we're in the league now. Um, so they looked at roughly 1.3 billion uh, broadband speed tests conducted across 220 countries in order to come up with these rankings. And perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, Western Europe, uh, countries in Western Europe uh, ranked highest uh, as far as uh, average download speeds are concerned. Not Asian countries. Uh, no, actually Asia was behind Northern America, the Baltics, Eastern Europe. But it's like an average thing, right? Yeah, so obviously ah, okay. something, something like South Korea will have obviously exceptional yeah. ones. And like but Singapore will also have really fast internet. Sure, and like North Korea, obviously there's no data for that. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's how it kind of averages out. Um, but I'm not really concerned with those regions. I'm worried about Sub-Saharan Africa, yeah, which absolutely. South Africa kind of falls under. And there, Sub-Saharan Africa, and I guess the African continent in general, doesn't fare well. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is second lowest um, out of all the different regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, I believe, they, they were categorized. Um, and South Africa isn't even the fastest, well, doesn't have the fastest ever download speed in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, which also is a little bit concerning considering we are meant to be one of the most developed countries on the continent. Is it Kenya? It is not Kenya. So in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, the ones that performed best were uh, Reunion, Mm-hmm. which had an average speed of 45.51. That's a little tiny island, yeah. right? Yeah. So 45.51 megabits per second. Um, that was followed by Rwanda by 38.89. It's coming up in the world. And then South Africa comes in third in sub-Saharan Africa with 36.46 uh, megabits per second. And that kind of ranks us 104th in the world, according to cable.co.uk's. Figures. Top 200, baby. Yeah, it's, um, it is not really great reading. Um, but I think it is quite interesting. There are some metrics that I think the report kind of doesn't necessarily factor in. Mm. Um, things like um, what the comparison is between uh, average download speeds and what consumers are paying for. I think yeah. as, as far as a lot of South Africans are concerned, it's not necessarily what the top end speed is, but whether you're actually reaching... Uh, that kind of figure. So yeah. if you're paying for a 40 or 60 or 80 meg line, even 100 meg line, if you're not getting close to that figure, it really did, it really doesn't make sense. I think a lot yeah. of consumers, considering how budgets are tightening and constricting at the moment, are looking to perhaps downgrade their packages to, to just ensure that they have a possible uh, internet connection as opposed to perhaps paying for that 200 uh, gigabit line um, 
sorry, two gigabit line. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, one of those more expensive lines that not, you don't necessarily get the full uh, the full value of that pipe from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's perhaps another factor then to look at, as well as just generally the cost of internet access in South Africa. It is exorbitantly expensive. Mm. Uh, when you couple that with the cost of data as well, access to online is really, really uh, is, is is a real burden for a lot of South Africans. Mm. Um, so I think those kind of elements that this report, I would like to kind of see them potentially look at in future. But yeah, um, as far as South Africa's broadband is concerned, and I think uh, the ISPs and the kind of service providers and networks in this country need to perhaps do a bit more. Um, we hear a lot about how one brand is the, is the fastest or delivers the best or has the best service, customer service and things like that. Um, if we're looking at these raw numbers, mm, that's not really the case. So, yeah. yeah, I think a lot more has to be done. I mean, I think it's also, like you, you mentioned, it is the cost, right? Mm-hmm. So fixed line connectivity is incredibly expensive for most people. Uh, leaving them to have to rely on mobile connections. Um, I'd al- I'm also curious to know how much um, load shedding affected those sure. average uh, speeds as well, because, mm. like we know, towers go down, things slow down substantially 100%. when you're running on three 3G or Edge, HSDPA plus. Um, so there's a lot of factors there, but yeah, I would really like a, a local company to take a look at and see take a deeper dive into why the figures are the way well, they don't are. give people too many ideas now just jack it from us <laughs> so out of interest sake what were the top countries and what were those speeds like uh, so I don't have numbers. the top country but Western Europe as a region mm-hmm. uh, average download speeds of 118.69 megabits per second Western Europe that's Western Europe so mm, okay Close to almost three times what we are experiencing. And there's a war happening just across the way there, right? Mm. I mean, that's technically Eastern Europe, right? Mm. Well, yeah. they, so there are some regions with, where the testing didn't take place. Oh, for example, okay. like Russia and Ukraine okay. were kind of omitted for obvious reasons. So we don't really have a, a full picture there. The Baltics, which I guess is close to that yeah. kind of part of the world, they ranked uh, third as far as regions are concerned with mm. 80.09 megabits per second. So still... Oh. Uh, it is nice to live in Europe, I guess, when it comes to download speeds. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, that's nice to know. Uh, as always, we'll have links to these stories at the bottom of this post. Louis, it's not you yet, it's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. I forgot, I forgot the, 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 uh, the way we were going. Just keeping you on your toes. That's yeah, just, yeah, exactly. I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm just, uh, just keeping you on your toes. So, uh, I don't know if you guys recall a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of July... Uh, Vodacom announced that it had a partnership with the Johannesburg Roads Agency. I uh, do, yes. Yeah, it was a really small partnership. They basically uh, reached a service level agreement where Vodacom would power traffic lights around its campus, uh, which amounts to two traffic lights, um, which are literally right outside its campus. It's so like 500 meters of yeah, road. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't great. Um, and at the time, I kind of hoped that we'd see uh, maybe a little bit more, like this agreement's extending. Um, this week, MTN South Africa, which is not Vodacom South Africa, completely mm-hmm. different company, uh, announced a similar partnership with uh, the JRA, only with a wider reach. So MTN announced uh, that it would be using its base stations uh, to power traffic lights nearby uh, when load shedding was in effect. So essentially, traffic lights near MTN uh, base stations in Soweto will continue to be powered 
especially during peak times when uh, load shedding hits. Um, this is really, really great. And if we, we took a look at uh, a map on a website called Cell Mapper, which gives you a map of each um, in, of network operator's towers yeah. around South Africa. Um, and in Soweto, MTN's towers are like really along the main roads, like Chris Harney Road, Bulatani Road, and Adcock Road. So uh, if you're a motorist traveling through Soweto, this is actually really, really hopeful. Because, <coughs> um, like I mentioned, they're along main arterial roads, which is really great and should help to prevent uh, delays in those areas. Um, also, if you travel along 14th Avenue in Fairlands, uh, from Flora Clinic onwards, MTN is uh, talking about creating something called a traffic corridor. Uh, essentially, traffic lights along this corridor will be powered by MTN's backup solutions Man. at its campus. Uh, that is quite a few traffic lights. And mm. all that whole road uh, up until MTN's head office is on-ramps and off-ramps onto the N1. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, anybody, if any of you have ever been stuck in traffic oh, yeah. at that. Uh, it's hell. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so this would be great if mm. they can manage to keep those traffic lights on at all times. Um, but that would the, be fantastic. the MTN headquarters is right there, right? So that makes yeah, sense yeah. that that's why they want to target yeah, that area. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is this is really really hopeful. Obviously, this is all in Johannesburg or Gauteng rather, with uh, Soweto and then here in uh, Fairlands. Um, but I really hope to see more more initiatives like this. It's something that does make sense. Uh, especially if you have backup power and you're not fully utilizing that backup power, might as well sell it to somebody like JRA and let them use it to power traffic lights. Yeah, I think isn't MTN they're reaching or they're close to reaching independent power production kind of status? Yeah, they're yeah. working on it. I mean, I think most businesses kind of have to these days, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if you're in Soweto and uh, you notice that the traffic lights are on during load shedding, um, yeah, that, that's the bad news, though. You're not going to be able to use the traffic lights to know if your power's on or off because they'll just always be on now. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I like to use, like, traffic lights around my area. Yeah. Like, ah, the power's ah, on. Damn oh, no, it. the power's not back. I need to log a fault. Anyway, um, so, yeah, exciting developments from South Africa's uh, net mobile network operators. Uh, I wonder if Telcom's going to do something similar. Uh, I probably don't think... Probably yeah, not. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Louis, what have you got for us? Okay, I'm back. Okay. Um, <laughs> so imagine you were working at a company for 14 years, right? Mm -hmm. And you were working in that company and you were putting your time and your effort and, you know, working overtime and you were, you know, just giving it your all, right? Yeah. And only after those 14 years, you suddenly were paid, Right. Would you be considered successful then? Would you think that would be a, a good deal? You know I mean, it depends on how much I was paid. Like if I was paid the full 14 years mm. and I didn't have any debts because of that, impossible, I know. Yeah. Uh, I would guess that I'd, I'd succeeded. Well, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I suppose uh, it's different for big tech companies. So Uber, after 14 years, they initially launched in 2009. Yeah. Uh, on the 1st of August, they turned their first profit. So Uber is finally profitable after 14 years of operations. Gee. Um, so so I, I, I took a look at the results. Um, with what they made, it's not a lot. They didn't make a lot, right? But a profit is a profit. But a profit is a profit. I mean, com I mean compared to, it's a lot of money, but compared to these, what these big tech companies pull in, yeah. $326 million is not... No, you, that's chump change. You know? Maybe you can give each of your your drivers twenty bucks. 
don't know. Right? So, good joke. Good joke. Uh, I mean, compared to uh, bef- the quarter previous, they made 713 million. They lost, sorry, 713 million. Okay. So, so uh, I mean, they've been losing money for quarters for the last 14 years, and suddenly they made, you know, some, they made something back. Which is, you know, it's uh, to, like for me to think about that, it's like, I mean, how do you keep in operation after, you know, losing money for 14 years? But I guess... You know, they kind of managed it. I, you know, I, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a finance guy. I'm not a, you know, mm. but uh, it's, it's incredible. The companies can do, can just manage this. I mean, I think it's, it's, Uber is one of those relics of the Silicon Valley boom, right? Mm. That happened in the mid to 2010s, mid to early 2010s. Um, and I feel like a lot of those companies were built off of the promise of one day being profitable yeah. and investors kind of, believed in that mm. given that they had such great user growth and right. user retention etc etc and then when it came time to report financials it was like well you know we're not profitable Yet, because right? but we'll be profitable one day yeah. and the investors that stuck around now probably are reaping the benefits the I couple mean, of cents that they're not getting on exactly, their dollars exactly right I mean it's a 14 year promise well I mean we work is much the same it's also kind of in that relic era mm-hmm. that you're mentioning and before it's kind of failed IPO, it is also kind of operating at a loss for most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it just kind of depends on the company's business model. Uber and WeWork are companies that have to kind of expand reach before they can start making a profit. Uh, we won't get, I won't get into the issues around drivers and whether yeah. they're deemed employees or not, but I think their model is is really about expansion first, then we can worry about profit. Mm. And I guess, yeah, it's kind of worked for them because still to this day, I, I read press releases about being the Uber of XYZ yeah. industry. Mm. So so obviously they're doing something, right? And, and the, I think the expansion stuff uh, kind of leads me to my next point um, and to the next kind of the figures that, that I have here. So Uber uh, operates in approximately 72 countries worldwide. Yeah. So over 10,500 cities. Including many in South Africa, so that's a lot. That's mm. a lot of. That's a big wide reach. Mm. Um, it's according to the latest financials, they do. They have 137 million monthly active users on the app, on the Uber app, um, and they have made uh, in the last three quarter, in the last three months, in the quarter, 2.3 billion trips worldwide. Huh. Right. So, so I mean, people are using Uber. That obviously, that has, I mean, and, and the numbers are growing exponentially. Like, you know, all of these numbers that I'm giving you are growths uh, based on the, yeah. the previous. So, so more people are on Uber. More people, are, there's more trips. Um, so, have they just reached a point where they're now, I don't want to say too big to fail, but they, they're big enough that they're not spending money on servers and all that sort of stuff. They're now actually earning money. Off of their platforms, I think they're still spending the same amount of money on the on the growth. I think just the the balance has started to shift. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I do wonder if it's maybe a combination of stuff like Uber Eats, for example. We saw that it really kind of had a boon during the pandemic. Mm. I think that's probably stuck with a lot of people. They still kind of make a use of Uber Eats. There's also like different things like Uber Connect, where you can have packages that are delivered. Uber so One has been rolling out. Yeah, recently. the subscription service. So I mean, like logistics and stuff. Like, how is did they mention that at all, Louis? They do, um, and I'll get into that now. So uh, the logistics and its Fright Wing. Yeah. Uh, they pulled in. Uh, 1.3 billion in revenues Jeez. just on that wing 
uh, the delivery arm, which includes what you guys were saying now, and and the Uber Eats, Uber Eats yeah. uh, they pulled in three billion in in pro in revenues. But despite this, the biggest chunk of revenues yeah. was pulled in by its mobility business, so well, the ride damn. sharing and e-hailing, uh, which made four point nine billion dollars, right? In so revenue, that's crazy. Yeah, that's so pretty good. So the main Uber business is still what's making them the most money, right? Um, the CEO Dara Kosrohaus, Kos, it's a different, difficult yeah. name. Bless you, Kosro Hashi, Kosro Shashi. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. Guys. Shaw, yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird one, guys. It's a weird. So they, he said, robust demand, new growth initiatives, and continued cost discipline, which means that they're kind of looking at cutting some costs here and there, resulted in an excellent quarter with trips up twenty two percent. And, and an operating profit for the first time in Uber's history. So I'm sure they're happy about that. They're going to be very, very nicely enjoying uh, for the, uh, an operating profit for, for first time ever. Um, we'll see in the next quarter if they can keep it up. So I wondered now if the uh, driver partners are going to... Hi, we'd like to talk about uh, being classified as employees now. Um, Mm. Like I know it might be a bit too early to, to have that conversation, but if they continue along this trajectory for like the next year or two, that conversation is going to get a lot harder to ignore. Yeah. And I believe that lawmakers will stop going, oh, well, you know, just because you're not turning a profit, mm. so we can't expect you to pay mm. salaries. But once you do start turning a profit... Especially if the yeah. profits become more exponential, like if they get bigger and Absolutely. bigger and bigger. No, I don't think so. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen in California and it didn't happen there. Yeah, but there they just they lobby to have the law changed, right? And uh, it, it's such a complicated mess because wherever you go in the world, there's different legislation, there's different rules. I mean, even Uber has different rules in different parts of the world. Mm. It's just, it's a mess. And yeah, I, I do just one day dream of... A, a situation where Uber drivers are classified as employees, they get a base salary, they get benefits. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's a fool's errand. It's yeah, I think, errand. I think Dara would reply to you with the Black Panther. You don't do that here, me. <laughs> right. Okay. Speaking of uh, digital platforms, this week the Competition Commission uh, published its decision on the online intermediation platforms market inquiry. Very succinct, and uh, we know exactly what it means, except we don't. Uh, basically, what this is, is the Competition Commission went and had a look at a bunch of online platforms, uh, including the likes of Take-A-Lot, uh, Google Play, Google Search, uh, Apple, Uber Eats, Property24, and many others. Mm -hmm. uh, Louis, you covered the story. Do you want to kick us off and tell us what was happening here? Uh, yeah, so basically... Uh the Competition Commission have published a report, a big, gigantic report about how uh, a lot of the, uh, these online digital platforms, a lot of the business operations, the behaviors that they're doing are kind of, they kind of go against uh, the kind of the laws around competition that South Africa has. Um, and the Competition Commission basically outlined what they're doing wrong and what they can do to kind of fix this. Um, I'll, I wrote about Take A Lot in particular, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll cover that. Um, basically, uh, on just Take A Lot, uh, one of the things that the Competition Commission said they were doing wrong uh, was around what they call narrow price parity. Um, 
So this is a, this is a kind of a, a, a business operator or a behavior that's anti-competitive, right? Mm -hmm. With this, uh, usually it's done by companies uh, that do online bookings and hotel bookings mm -hmm. and things like like Booking.com. Um, basically, uh, uh, it prevents marketplace sellers from pricing lower on their own direct channels. So basic, what this means is that you on if you are like a reseller like Booking.com, you kind of list uh, you kind of list um, the bookings except, uh, of hotels and stuff, you will have lower prices than what if you go to a direct, mm. the direct hotels yeah. and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which means that hotels, uh, which means that you're, you're, you will generate more money through that way, right? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, so essentially, essentially what it is is that by, essentially booking.com has the stranglehold on the market, mm -hmm. right? It has access to every single accommodation that you could that you could want. Mm -hmm. So as a result, it controls the price. It sets the price, right, okay. essentially, right? And this is how I'm understanding mm -hmm. it. So if you are a hotelier, mm -hmm. then you can't go onto your website and advertise it for lower than booking.com, booking right? And the problem with that is that you as a hotelier have to pay booking.com to appear on mm -hmm. booking.com, right? So it's not just like booking.com is going through its good being a good person and going, hey, we're just going to hoover up everybody's hotels and put them in one central place. No, you need to pay to be able to get on that. You also get to pay to boost your stuff. Right. Right. So, I mean, like I understand that completely. Mm. It's it's not fair because as a hotelier, you're kind of at the behest of whatever booking.com's algorithm says. It gives too says. much power to booking.com. Yeah. And the same thing can be said take a lot. So the competition yeah. commission uh, already uh, it went it, they went on a, on a tirade on Booking.com and immediately following that they went after Take a Lot. They're saying that Take a Lot does the same thing. They do they do the narrow price parity, which uh, it, in that sense it means that Take a Lot, since uh, it is the biggest e-commerce platform in South Africa, mm -hmm. they're setting the prices for things, mm -hmm. right? And and you can't by yourself set the lower price than Take a Lot, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, apart from that, the competition commission. Uh, they detailed a whole bunch of recommendations, kind of demands that Take A Lot needs to take to change the platform to become more uh, competitor friendly. Um, there's a bunch of them, so uh, I'm, I'm gonna list them off. So the first one is the Take A Lot must, and this is a big one. They have to segregate its retailer division from its marketplace Ooh, operations. that's a big deal. And appoint different executives for both roles. Oh, that's even bigger deal. Right. So they need to they need to split its own its own retailing operations from its reseller marketplace right yeah um apparently which makes sense because like it's, it's the amazon problem right yeah. is that amazon can just price its amazon essentials products mm. way lower than everybody else's and then it's essentially paying itself to list its products on on uh, the marketplace mm. so yeah I, I agree with that that's 100 percent good job competition commission uh the next one is it must prevent its retailer division and services from accessing seller data that provides an advantage against competitors mm. right um i imagine uh this will kind of it gives them an unfair advantage right if they yeah. have uh, data from the sellers that they can like you said then they can use to then sell their own product yeah um, it needs to or boost their own product, right. right? Or whatever it may be. Or you know, uh, fix the pricing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, we saw um, again. I will mention Amazon. I'm sure lately, but yeah. Amazon Basics, for example, they yeah. develop their product development is based on what other what sellers are doing. Mm. Yeah. Um, they need to cease the practice of product gating, where taken out ensures that certain products can only be sold by it on the platform without consent from its suppliers. Excuse me. What? Product gating. So apparently, I'm, uh, I'm, I almost said Amazon. Take a lot. 
is making sure that only certain products can be sold on its platform without the consent from suppliers allegedly by the, uh, the, wow. the competition commission is alleging. Okay. Um, it must extend its employee code of conduct and speak up uh, in quotation marks policy for marketplace sellers that include exposing conduct that harms sellers and unfairly restricts them from competing. So basically, in that sense, uh, the competition commission wants uh, take a lot of employees to become more proactive in the sense, if they see that the company is engaging in kind of anti-competitive behavior, they should uh, report it, they should yeah. say something. Mm. Yes, because whistleblowers get so much protection in South Africa. Yeah. Oh, well, I think Especially that's, political whistleblowers, you know. That's what kind of the competition commission is kind of getting at. They want to make sure that if there are whistleblowers, that they will be protected. Um, Take a lot has to resolve ongoing complaints in terms of returns and stock loss in favor of marketplace sellers within 60 days. So... Um, if a marketplace reseller comes to take a lot and tells them, you know, uh, we're having problems with, uh, you know, uh, stock loss uh, and re the return of items, the money that in those transactions, yeah. take a lot will have to pay them the money. Like they 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 have to, uh, they say that the the complaints must be resolved in their favor, in the favor of the resellers. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, within sixty days, because obviously take a lot has the big monopoly, right? Yeah. They have the money to do that. Um, and the last thing, which uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of buy boxes that take a lot of offers. Um, I feel like I have. Is this like an open box policy or something? I'm not too sure. But yeah. uh, basically what take a lot uh, has to do now, according to the, competi the competition commission, is that in these buy boxes, I think it's like a package deal. Okay. Right? Uh, take a lot is required not only to offer the fastest delivered product via the buy box. Yeah. So it was like... These are the fastest products you can, uh, th these products you can get uh, together yeah. on a same day deal. Okay. Right? Now they have to also offer the cheapest products. I see. Uh, so uh, more expensive products are getting priority in terms of uh, like priority shipping and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Well, that's so, a lot. So it's a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, uh, after the the recommendations were published, Take a Lot has not said anything, uh, you know, about the recommendations. Um, I asked you guys a while ago if you think Tekelo will actually take any of these recommendations into consideration. Well, I'll ask that again uh, here on a public <laughs> forum. Um, so I think they don't have much choice. Um, they aren't, like we'll get to the other platforms in a little bit, but they are a South African company. They don't have the benefit of saying, oh, well, we're just going to close up shop. Yeah. I mean, unless the executives that take a lot don't like their salaries and making lots and lots of money hand over fist every day. Mm. Um, I think that they have no choice but to abide by the rules that have been put in place. Um, yeah. So it, it, it will be interesting to see if they do that uh, because, firstly, take a lot uh, in the latest quarter, they didn't do so well. Right. Yeah. Just despite all these anti-competitive behaviors, <laughs> right? Well, so, that's bad for them, right? Right. So that's bad for them. If right? you're doing things that are bad for for consumers and you're not making money, clearly you're doing something wrong. So right? what that means is that uh, they have a bunch of advantages that now they have to get rid of. So what will that mean for the bottom line? Do they have to? I mean, I think they'll do some of the recommended changes, not all of them, because remember. They already have contracts in place with resellers. They already have their guidelines and protocols in place. And resellers have signed up for that. So they've gone in with knowledge. Did they say, sorry, sorry, Robin, but did uh, the competition say how long Techlot has to 
implement these remediations? Uh, I don't know. Exactly following the take a lot uh, kind of that span where they were talking yeah. about, they did not mention any, okay. any so timeline. Gonna, I'm going to go out on them here and say that generally it's around 90 days mm. that it takes for governments to implement things like this. Uh, so let's operate on the assumption that it's 90 days. They have to be corrected, of course. But three months, I think, is enough time to contact your resellers and say, hey, listen, rules are changing. Um, and I suppose that goes for just the general resellers, people that you have negotiated deals with. That's going to be a bit different and a bit difficult. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, if I'm take a lot and I, again, have contracts existing with resellers, they are aware of the conditions and they have been operating on my platform for a number of years now. What, what purview does the competition commission actually have when it comes to telling me what I can do with my resellers and not do with them? I because mean, we have a contract in place. I hear you. It's the same as, though, as if a judge hands down an order saying that e-tolls are unlawful and everybody's debt has to be forgiven. Like, there's processes where you can appeal this stuff, of mm. course, but if the final ruling is that you need to do X and you don't do X, you, you're getting yourself into trouble. And I think that, like, as big as Take A Lot is, it also needs to understand, and I'm sure it does understand, that it is still a private company that needs to operate within the realms of South Africa's law. And whether they like it or not, the declarations made by the Competition Commission are kind of binding. So they have to abide by them. See, to my mind, the only, the only way that me as Take A Lot now in this situation, <laughs> the only way this makes sense for me is if Amazon comes into play and then there is reason for me to adhere to these kind of changes and these, uh, these uh, new regulations as regards anti-competitive behavior. Because I can guarantee that everything that Takerot's been trumped up on here Amazon is guilty of the same, if not worse, practices. Mm. Fair. So... I would only do this to curry favor with the competition commission and ensure that I, ha I don't have to worry about any kind of issues compared to Amazon, which will likely have to jump through quite a few hurdles. Well, if that, they might just say, you know what, we'll take the fine. But they do mention Amazon. Yeah, I was going to say, um, the chief economist uh, of the competition commission, James Hodge, literally says, right after detailing all those recommendations, take a lot, he says, uh, there are rumors that Amazon has entered the South African market, they have not done so. But if they ever do, they are recommended to follow the same, yeah. uh, the same guidelines. guidelines. Okay, so I mean, that that's puts it in place, right? Is that, like, if I would take a lot, I would just take these recommendations because, and do them, because they are going to be tough, right? But if Amazon comes in with no experience in this local market, I cannot know, but very little experience in the local market, Little data, little insight compared to Take A Lot. Take A Lot can win that, that fight if they are within the realms of the law. Because it's going to take Amazon longer now to establish a presence and then abide by those same rules. I think, I, I think if I'm Take A Lot, if I'm the CEO of Take A Lot right now, I'm just going to go, right, let's just implement this stuff. We're going to take a hit. Our shareholders need to be aware of that. And yeah. I just think it's it's the logical thing to do, especially given their, their presence in the market. They are big, but they're not too big to be shut down. I want to counter that argument and and take you back, all the way back, the way back. to the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, yeah. and the fact that e-commerce 
and delivery platforms were not allowed to operate in the early days of the pandemic. Yeah. Take a lot lobbied to change that. I mean, and take it, a lot and Uber and Mr. D. Like, yeah, but take a lot was the leader of that pack. Fair. And they have really uh, benefited as a result. Mm. When I you search you. for something online, when you want to buy it, take a lot to go to first normally. I, I'm just saying, I think that it would be dumb of them to not take these, uh, these I just think that recommendations you, seriously. I think that, sure, take them seriously, but don't implement until the very final moment. Because to my mind, Amazon will, have, will, will be incredibly popular if it lands in South Africa. The consumers will talk with their money. Okay, but and the Competition Commission will not be able to essentially react quick enough to kind of implement or force them to make changes because of their popularity. Unless the Competition Commission is watching them before they come into the country. And I have one example to tell you, Starlink. So we know Starlink is currently Mm -hmm. facing an uphill battle trying to get in South Africa because of our BBE laws, BE laws. Um, And rightfully so. A lot of people disagree with this, but I'm sorry. If you want to play in South Africa, you've got to play by our rules. Right? If you're an international company wanting to play in South Africa, these are rules. You don't like it, bye-bye. Then you can't do it, yeah. And honestly, I think that if Amazon comes here and is not playing by the rules, nobody's going to give them a license to do business. Nobody's going to let them do business. And, I mean, they can undercut people, but how long do you think that will last? With Like, South Africans are vigilant when it comes to spending money, yo. Like, we see around Black Friday, people are taking a look at what, how take a lot is changing prices all that sort of stuff like i don't think that they can get away with just doing nothing they're gonna have to abide by the rules especially if take a lot has now been burned by it i don't see the competition commission the cipp cipc um or just governments in general saying welcome amazon there are no rules they're gonna have to abide by those rules much as like starlink is hugely popular people are trying to get starlink but it's not abiding by the rules that they need to play by in south africa therefore it's not available like yeah i just i don't think that these companies can risk not abiding by the rules here so i don't want this to kind of digress into a conversation about amazon but amazon I'm sorry to say it is too big to fail. AWS already operates. But they don't exist here. Yeah, but AWS does. Okay, but uh, and Pizza Hut in the US is too big to fail. Yeah, who cares? Okay, but Amazon is bigger than Pizza Hut. Okay, but Amazon. But in South Africa, do you really think the dude sitting in Soweto cares that Amazon is here? If is if Amazon is selling stuff for quicker and get it to be on the day with Prime, mm. yes, I think they do care. So uh, I hear what you guys are saying. Um, if when you operate in South Africa, you have to play by South Africa's rules, and you have to operate in the best interest of the consumer. Mm. However, price dictates uh, your power, mm. and Amazon are able to play with price better than Take a Lot can, or will be able to. I think it depends on the on how many of these things can really be enforced, right? Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, Take a Lot uh, lost. In the first few months of the year, they lost $22 million, uh, right? So Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Bezos used to find that in, in his couch cushions yeah. on, on, a, on a Wednesday. Right? So, that's, so it's operating at a loss, according to the last financial results. And, you know, unless... I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm John Take-A-Lot, sure. and, I'm, and I'm looking out from my, my office, and I'm like looking at this loss, and I'm like, hmm... And now the competition commission is telling me to kind of cut back on my advantages. Oh, it was the Tegelo was the first 
big e-commerce thing we had in South Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no. I mean, before no. that, it was uh, Kalahari.com, right? Mm-hmm. But Kalahari died a painful death. Yes. No, it was well, bought Well, they by got Tech solid Lot. up, yeah. Yeah, got solid up by Tech well, Lot. E- even worse, you know? <laughs> Tech Lot has kind of, you could argue that they've earned the spot as the top, you know, the top lion in, in, the, in, the, in the Savannah. Earned or stolen. You know what? They have it, right? And I think even now I'm facing this loss, unless the competition commission can like legally, you know, force Take A Lot to make these changes, I really doubt that Take A Lot will do anything other than we are looking into it. So we are checking this out. We there, there has been a history of the competition commission making a ruling and the company abiding by that ruling. That company is Ford. Mm. With the Ford Cougars that were catching fire, was it Cougars? What was it? Uh, yeah, it was Cougars. Well, it was Cougars. Cougars. It was Cougars. Was it Cougars? Yeah. Anyway, that that car that was blowing up, the Competition Commission forced Ford to go back to its drawing books and fix things. And you know what Ford had to go and do? Back to its drawing board, recall, do all sorts of stuff at their cost. That's- but and Ford I, I is a feel massive like, company. I hear you, but I feel like that example is you're not going to argue against uh, our cars are blowing cars, up. Yeah. That's not our fault. That is your fault. Okay, so so are we saying then that the economic, what's the word? The monopoly that they have, right? Or yeah, what? that's that's okay. Yo, who steps in when take a lot goes away? Who is there? Who no cares? One. There's no one though. There's malls. There's physical stores. I mean, there the are malls with people. Disgusting. The, the whole no. point of the of these recommendations is that there are smaller e-commerce firms. Right yeah. in South Africa, there are there. Yeah. Right, the ones that aren't scams, there are there. Yeah. Who? Uh, Where? I, off the top of my head, I can't tell you. Exactly. Right. Because take a lot, dominate. But the com- the competition commission wants there to be more equality in yeah. in in the in the market. And I'm that's sorry. Why Again, let me play devil's advocate. Why should I be penalized for success? Because we live in a capitalist society. Because it's not success if you're taking advantage of consumers and the competition. It's not success. You're just taking advantage of okay, people. Okay, well, then if I take a lot, I say, okay, you, you, you're going after me. Why aren't you going after Google? Why aren't you going well, after Facebook? Well, they are, though. So I think we need to, sorry, let, let, let's just go to a little bit of side because I think this is really important, um, especially for uh, Mr. Tim Sweeney at Epic Games. So, in press release from the Competition Commission regarding this uh, investigation, they write, Google Play and Apple App Stores are to stop preventing apps from directing consumers to pay on the app's website and to ensure continued free use by consumers of content purchased from that website along with local app curation. So, basically, they're saying that Google Play and Apple App Store have to allow app developers to direct their customers Mm -hmm to pay off-site and avoid the 30% fee that they charge developers. But, I mean, that's never going to happen, right? Also, but, I mean, they, now there's an example of two companies mm-hmm. that are not going to budge. They will pull out of the country before they budge. So I think they might acquiesce, but again, there's no line in the sand here. Other regulators in other countries have been far more aggressive in how they deal with these tech companies. Uh-huh. South Africa... Uh, historically speaking, have not been. Well, now is our time, yo. Amandla, let's do this. And the, and the first one we're going to do is one of our own companies. No. One of our okay. own... Okay, it's not just Take A Lot, though. All of these companies that they mentioned, except for Take A Lot, are international companies. Mm-hmm. Uber Eats. Okay, Mr. D Food is also a local company. They form part of the Take A Lot group, though, yeah. so not including them. Uh, Google Play, Apple App Store, Booking.com. Um, and then there's Property24, Autotrader, and Cars.co.za. Now, you can argue that those are the biggest platforms, but I would then counter your point and say that there are alternatives to that. There are alternative property um, 
property websites, alternative secondhand car trading websites, alternative car sales websites. Mm. Maybe not as big, yes, but you can find them rather easily. Whereas Google Play and Apple App Store, when, once they're gone, what do we do? Huawei, apps, Huawei App Gallery. App Gallery, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think you hit a point there, kind of threw some light bulbs up, Brendan. Um, the Competition Commission is mandated to, you know, to look at the competition in South Africa and the markets. Um, but like I was thinking, okay, you alternatives to, to Property24. I, I, can, I kind of see a few, but when I was looking to move, Property24 was my, was my go-to yeah. because they have the best website. They have, you know, it, it works the best. The one that you can see the houses the nicest. They have the most options. Private property is really good. Uh, a little plug for private property. <laughs> Um, but, sponsor. Uh, but you know, and I'm and take a lot also. Take a lot has the fastest delivery, you know, and it has mm -hmm. all these options that are positive. And yeah, to Louis' point, sure, regulate these companies, but not at the risk of damaging the consumer experience. Say what you will about take a lot, the the experience is seamless. You want to talk about pricing? Sure, those are all valid points. However. If I want ease, if I want convenience, I'm heading to takealot.com. No, I'm just going to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> if I want ease, if I want it now, I want it today, I'm going to the shops. I mean, Plain it's true. Simple. It's true, but it depends on what you want. Then, if you want e-commerce, then you'll have to you'll have to you know go online. And uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll see if takealot even. What I hope though is that what this uh, this investigation and this report does is I hope it starts a conversation just like this among more South Africans. Because I do think that it's unfair that the likes of Take A Lot is allowed to restrict pricing. The likes of Booking.com is allowed to restrict pricing. I don't like the fact that Apple and Google charge developers 30% off of all purchases that are made through their platforms. I understand the arguments against those, that Google and Apple maintain servers and all that sort of stuff, that um, Take A Lot provides a marketplace that reaches millions of South Africans. I, I hear all of those criticisms, but the problem is, is if we allow that to happen and we allow these companies to keep doing these things that are ultimately harmful to the market, retailers and consumers, at what point do we say enough is enough? And at what point does it become we've, the damage is too far gone for us to do anything about it? Like, I mean, the, the Uber bus, we joked about a little bit about how Uber drivers, uh, tongue-in-cheek, that Uber drivers aren't classified as employees. Like, that, that ship is now gone, right? The, there is no way on this earth that Uber drivers will ever be classified as employees of that company. Just because over the years, it's just been accepted. Ah, you know... Uber provides the pipeline and then they just sit there on the other end. But the complacency is dangerous because it allows companies to become Amazon-like. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Amazon diaper controversy. In the 90s, Amazon wanted, or there was uh, diapers.com where somebody could go on in the US, you could order diapers for really cheap for your baby delivered to your door. Amazon didn't like that because it took business away from them. So what did they do? They started selling diapers at a loss like taking a massive hit on every single pack of diapers they sold. Why? Because they could price out this guy. And eventually diapers.com was no more. They were worthless. Amazon bought them up. Diapers.com is gone and part of Amazon. Mm. And that can happen here as well. Same with Take A Lot. They could do that. They could find a little competitor that's trying to overtake them. You know, and then 
buy them out. That's what they did with Kalahari. Like, everybody forgets Kalahari.com. They were a massive presence in this country. Huge. If you wanted books or CDs delivered a couple of years, a decade ago, it was Kalahari.com. Click, click, ding dong was their whole thing. And then Take A Lot came in and offered a greater product. Yes, absolutely. Their service was better. Their delivery times were better. Their pricing was better. And they swallowed up Kalahari.com. Now nobody remembers Kalahari. And my concern is that if we keep allowing these companies to go along, oh, just because it's capitalism or just because they've always done it this way, we end up in a situation where we, the consumer, are now going to be stuck with one retailer and that's it. Like, who's to say that Amazon doesn't come here and just swallow up take a lot? So, all great points, and in, in large part, I do agree with you. However, I think if, if the competition is going to be taking an aim at organizations like take a lot and Google and Apple and et cetera, it needs to ensure that there is an ecosystem and some kind of support for alternatives. That's the problem, in my view. Mm-hmm. There is no real alternative. Can anyone rattle off a decent alternative to take a lot? Facebook Marketplace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brendan likes to get scammed, likes to get his Western Union scams. Uh, but, but that's kind of my issue. I'm all for uh, kind of keeping these companies uh, in line and making sure that they are, their behavior is, is pro-consumer. However, they on, there isn't a fertile environment for alternatives in South Africa. So, so the two have to work in, in conjunction with one another. Okay, so I, 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 can, I can see your point there, and I agree with you. Is that So what you're saying is government needs to create sort of processes and opportunities mm. for these alternatives to be put into place. Yeah, right? I mean, you look at this, at, let's, let's use like the smartphone space. There yeah. are more operators, uh, brands operating in South Africa than ever before. Yeah. More choice is more better. Yeah, I agree with you. So that needs to be the same thing when you talk about e-commerce as well. We just can't be having uh, take a lot uh, Uber Eats and Mr. D as our kind of yeah. options mm. when it comes to getting stuff delivered. Mm. So again, all for us so, keeping them in line, we just have to have better options. So there I have to concede to you. I think I, I agree with you is that government, the competition commission included, competition commission included, they, they need to create the processes and ways for startups and entrepreneurs to create these solutions Mm -hmm. to be able to compete with the Take-A-Lot so that they aren't completely priced out of the market or they're not able to compete because Take-A-Lot can offer delivery in two hours or whatever it may be. Like, I I hear you and I agree with you because ultimately the reason that these companies are able to get away with this stuff is because government lacks the oversight. Mm. So Mm. I I, I can see to you, you are, that is a great Uh, point. Great podcast. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) That's a joke, but we do need to wrap up though. Um, Okay, so do we think that uh, anything is going to happen here or have we just wasted 45 minutes? Mm, I think that... uh, Tegelot will take some of the things into consideration and they will definitely say they're doing something. Whether they actually are doing something is a different uh, yeah. matter, right? Yeah. I think they will take everything under advisement and only make changes under threat of a fine. That's it. That, that's the only time that anything will change. So I think that um, Tegelot... Uh, Property24, Auto Trader, those guys, the local organizations, I think that they will, will take these 
these recommendations under advisements. However, I do think that Google and Apple App Store are just going to blue tick the Competition Commission um, and just leave them on red. They're going to send poop emojis to the, yeah. to the media. Uh, I, 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 I don't see it changing. I just I don't see those companies kind of going, oh, okay, yeah, no, we're going to change our whole business model just, just for, for South you. Africa. No, no, no. That's not going to happen. No. Um, yeah. I just I don't see that happening. Um, it's interesting though, and it's it's nice to see the Competition Commission looking at this stuff. It is a bit bit late, um, given that Take a Lot's been around for so long. Mm -hmm. Google Play, Apple App Store, a lot of these things are firmly entrenched. Well, that that took a long time to come up with the name of the report. So yeah, gee, I that mean, probably took six months. Online intermediation platforms market inquiry. I mean, it's not even a cool acronym. Oipni. <laughs> Oipni. No, man. Come now. Come on. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up from us. Let us know what you think uh, over on our X profile, I mm. guess it is nowadays, mm. or Facebook. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up from this edition of the H60 Africas. My name is Brendan Lotz. Cheerio from Lee Monzon. Bye, guys. And from Robin Nichetti. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.